Hey guys, welcome back to Nevertheless She Persisted, a podcast with Sadie Sutton. Today I'm here with my dad again and we're going to talk a bit about what it's like as a parent to have a daughter or child in treatment, what we hope for in the future at home, and all of that. Um, so we've talked a good Boston bit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, talked about it in very positive terms, mm-hmm. but it might be helpful for me to explain that, you know, Boston, when I say Boston, I mean 3E. Yes. Which is a program which was an intensive um, residential therapy DBT, program. DBT. Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. And so this was a program that was recommended to us by our local um, medical personnel mm-hmm. and your care providers. Yes. And we didn't know anything about this <laughs> at all. No we idea. did a lot of research online the minute that people suggested mm-hmm. that we consider this. And uh, thankfully, uh, we were able to make the connection with 3E's. And it's just outside of Boston and Belmont, and it's um, affiliated with uh, McLean Hospital, mm-hmm. which focuses on mental health issues, mm-hmm. and it's also staffed by a bunch of Harvard Medical School personnel. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak highly enough about it. Yeah. They're miracle workers in my True. point of view. But, um, but I'd say that uh, you know that's pretty important that I, I give context as to when I say Boston, what am I referring yes. to? Referring they to didn't this. just drop me off on the streets at Boston, <laughs> Boston. University. Yeah. yeah, in Harvard Square. Yeah. So, uh, Have fun. So, so. so as a parent at 3 East, you talked a bit about the parent group. Um, we did family therapy sessions. And then you also had a lot of interactions with Miriam, my personal therapist, as well as different Staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what was your experience as a parent at while your child was at Three East? Well, at, at first, there's you don't you don't have any experience whatsoever with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my first experience was uh, complete ignorance in that we hopped on a plane, you and your mom and I, and we flew to Boston, and we go and, and have this sort of interview process yeah. to you know, hopefully get you into I kicked the you out of the room. <laughs> you kicked us out of the room, and, and then they said that uh, you weren't interested in attending, and so that was a bit of a speed bump. <laughs> we traveled cross-country thinking that you were going to get started there, and then yeah. you decided that... Um, I didn't want to. Didn't want to. <laughs> so that was a speed bump, and that's okay. We rolled with it, and um, thankfully it turned out a couple of days later, and mm-hmm. it worked out, but... Um, but that's a fun story. But 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 setting that that aside, I would say that um, you know I didn't have any context or, or really sort of any sort of uh, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So good news is we quickly learned in terms of what um, it was going to be like being a parent uh, yeah. as part of Three East and what our role was and what your role was. And the good news is they were very upfront. The team there was very upfront about listen, this is as much about you and your wife working hard um, and, and kind of developing the skills that you need as parents mm-hmm. just as much as it is about Sadie and her working on the things that she needs to work. And I think it was interesting now that the geography was challenging because we yeah. were across the country. However, I'm glad that basically every weekend one of your mom or dad would actually fly across the country mm-hmm. and spend, as you said, the weekend with you in addition to the Monday morning parent meetings. Mm-hmm. and. I'm just so thankful we were able to do that. I know that there's, you know, kind of most people would not have been able to pull that off. And I'm yeah. just incredibly thankful that we as well. were blessed to be able to do that because I think you appreciated it mm-hmm. and very much responded to that time. I think it was a big portion of the success, how much time we got to spend together and 
practice the skills we had learned and have those trial runs before I went home. True, true. Yeah, no, and do was... family therapy face-to-face. I think that was a really big per- portion. I agree. I agree. And it was, you know, during that 14-week period, we went from no communication with each other or almost no communication with each other and certainly not genuine and authentic mm-hmm. and deep to you uh, being incredibly generous and giving of mm-hmm. how you were feeling and how you were suffering and how much you were suffering. And, and I hope in return, we were being more open communicators as well. Definitely. And, and that was, you know, really credit to Three East and what they were trying to do, yeah. both with you, but also with us. Mm-hmm. And I got so much out of those Monday morning parent meetings that they would conduct um, from 8 in the morning until 11, 11.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I know that Jamie did as well. And so, and as you said, following that with in-person family therapy meetings mm-hmm. where we were all together... Um, combined with the one-on-one time that we got over the weekend mm-hmm. where there was no, n- nothing got in the way uh, of just us being parents and, and, and you being uh, the kid. Yeah. And, and that was that was my own therapy too, mm-hmm. uh, candidly, just you and I walking the streets of Boston mm-hmm. and going to grab a lunch. And, and I know you and mommy would do it on the off mm-hmm. as well. So, and sometimes, thankfully, we were both able to travel across the country and be with you together. Yeah. And so, but uh, I was very... Very, very happy with how that worked out in terms of those 14 weeks. Yeah, I agree. Um, What was it like being a parent and still being a parent um, at the program provided for a therapeutic boarding school? So so we can state the question again. I want to make sure. So Uh, your experience as a parent at a therapeutic boarding school. My experience as a parent... Um, a bit different, like not as intensive. I don't see you every weekend. Yeah, well, it's different in mm-hmm. that the, the therapeutic boarding school has a very different protocol versus mm-hmm. the residential intensive in Three treatment. East, yeah. Three East wants the parents to be there every weekend, mm-hmm. wants the parents to be on campus on every Monday morning, mm-hmm. very much wants this intensive, as much as possible interaction to basically try to and... Push the- Push family, push, yeah. Mm-hmm. Push the family and to um, uncover things that come up, like conflict and Completely. tension and anxiety moments and this, that, and the other. So that was their protocol and that was their approach. Whereas the therapeutic boarding school, in some ways, was the one eighty opposite. Mm-hmm. Where I'd agree with that. we went from having you know three days out of seven seeing you, or two and a half days out of mm-hmm. seven seeing you, to literally the next week when we took you to Montana. Mm-hmm. They said they didn't want to see us for three months. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very Yeah, different. we barely and, said goodbye, and I was like, wait, what? And, and, and that, was, that was really hard for us because mm-hmm. while it was very difficult to enroll you um, in 3Es, which was across the country, there was the comfort knowing that, well, we'll see you in five days. Mm-hmm. I can call you every day. And you can call us whenever you wanted, and we can call you. Mm-hmm. And there was something very comforting about that versus at this therapeutic boarding school um, in Montana, it was literally, we'd really, it, it's important that we not hear or see from you for a long time, in yeah. our opinion, um, because it was important for your therapy to stand on your own two feet and not um, be overly reliant on us mm-hmm. and for allow you time to look inward mm-hmm. as opposed to, in some ways, you could say be distracted by, mm-hmm. you know, kind of laying things off on your mom and I. And mm-hmm. so... And again, I, I think a lot of different approaches can work. And the reality is, is that when you were in 3Es, 
that was by many ways a crisis mode and mm-hmm. so you have to take a certain very approach acute in crisis, care very mm-hmm. acute whereas the therapeutic boarding school clearly is a huge step down mm-hmm. in that you're you're sort of it, it's a big step forward in terms of on the way to um, kind of great mental health and fitness so um, but they're different and so as a parent of a therapeutic boarding school mm-hmm. student it's just uh, you have to be prepared for a very different yeah. approach including the level of interaction and availability that you get with your child. Mm-hmm. And so for us, that was probably one of our biggest struggles was that we went from, as you said, you know, tremendous amount of communication mm-hmm. that was very open and amazing and exciting because we Which was had even a step down from where we were before. It was kind of surprising not to see you guys every day, not be able to talk to you in person. Yeah. And then to go from, I get to see you two and a half days out of seven, call you every day to see you in three months. See you in three months, yeah. basically. And oh, by the way, on the heels of that... You're going to have Google Doc time interaction mm-hmm. rather than a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll definitely have a phone call for social reasons, but it's once a week. And, Ten minutes. And, and short. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and then obviously family therapy, which mm-hmm. was wonderful uh, because it was uh, at least through FaceTime. Mm-hmm. So you'd be able to get that visual. But um, very limited. Very limited. Yeah. Now, on the positive, I think it, it really put you in an uncomfortable position of having to look inward and to... Make sure that your foundation was strong regardless of your mom and dad, mm-hmm. which I think is an incredible, incredibly important life lesson mm-hmm. and will serve you the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and this is where parents, I think, um, despite their best intentions, don't give their kids enough space to mm-hmm. be able to develop those foundations. And so I'm, I'm certainly hoping... From therapist to therapist who do the same thing. They both practice DBT. That's what they preach. Their approaches can be so different It's so varying in levels of effectiveness for different yeah. people yeah yeah so that's definitely like as a friend and as an outsider you definitely like learn that there's like a ton out there and that anytime that you feel like you've reached a dead end and there's you know not to sound cliche but like no more hope you know like there's always another mm-hmm. solution or something you can at least attempt and try um that's could give you the the um, results you want. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of felt like was happening freshman year was this kind of like difficulty with knowing how to deal with it. And freshman year, there were also times I definitely made mistakes as your friend in terms of like not reaching out when I should have or, you know, there were times when I felt like I could have talked with you more and I didn't. So I think as you a friend... You can't take fault for any no, of that. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's part of it too is like There's friends no should not feel... There's no mistakes in a relationship. People yeah. just have different degrees of like regret around things but there's not exactly objective so that's the thing i was gonna get to made. is regret mm-hmm. yeah which is like you know i'm lucky to be in a place where i don't have regrets about what i've done in the past mm-hmm. um and for example there's one time i remember when you were like oh i literally had the suicide note and i like didn't do anything because i remember she talked to me and she'd be like oh yeah like i'm talking to my therapist about it so i was kind of like at that point i was like oh like she's talked to her therapist like what more can i do when in that situation i probably should have been more forward and more assertive but I think that's part of it too is like navigating the system is so hard and mm-hmm. figuring out how to do it is part of it. So I think that while some of those mistakes can be like problematic, I think they as a friend it was necessary for me to figure out how best to navigate the resources I had mm-hmm. and also how to do it in a way that was actually helpful to Sadie because sometimes it would be like I could do something but that in the end might not be helpful to you. That could honestly harm you more than more than help. So mm-hmm. that's like always a challenge, always a always a struggle, but yeah. What else? Um, so you saw me at that point, freshman year. Yeah. Um, you were someone that I reached out to a lot while I was in Boston at McLean and then in Montana. Oh my God, yeah. Um, 
I would call you like every that. single week. And we had phone combos. We had a Google Doc. <laughs> we did. We had a Google Doc guy. Um, so yeah, at McLean, I, Maya was one of the people that I was okay to call because that was a very healthy friendship. Um, and so I would call her every week and talk to her, give her the update, complain about like... I heard all about the weather, which of course we don't experience here in California because we have the same mm-hmm. weather all year round. It's but very snowy, Heard very about cold. snow, heard mm-hmm. about brunches, mm-hmm. heard about all sorts of activities. That was kind of fun. All your outings. Yeah. Um, and then I started to get to talk to you more in Montana um, after probably like six months. It took a really long time for them to let me get to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, that, that, was, that, that was probably the thing I felt most was that time. Yeah, and that was um, grossly irregular that they even let me talk to you at all. Yeah. Um, so seeing that person that you saw leave for treatment freshman year and then the interactions that we had later when I would come and visit or even after I came mm-hmm. home, did you notice a change? Did you think it was different? Yeah, I think the probably the biggest thing I noticed is like you were excited about things and it sounds so base and like oh like that doesn't mean anything but like there was literally a point I remember when you didn't seem excited about anything (laughs) about anything you would wake up and you would just we would talk but you wouldn't you weren't excited about anything Mm -hmm. and it was like heartbreaking because it's like there's nothing I can do to make you feel like you want to wake up and do something the next day Mm -hmm. but at the same time I have to watch you sit here and like feel like there's nothing you can do and feel I really worried that we weren't recording oh my god that would freak me out are you kidding me 21 minutes of not recording yeah so I think that was like seeing you be excited about stuff being excited about going places and doing things and like you know snowboarding and like stuff where you were engaging your mind and your body and like you were excited to do it like you weren't forced to do it you weren't like doing it because you like had to do it to seem normal or anything it was just like you wanted to do it and you enjoyed it that was like probably the biggest thing and then I guess I mean, I think our conversations changed a lot after you came back. Our conversations before, um, I at least always felt like the check-in was super important and like we always had to talk about how you were feeling um, and it was like almost the core of what we talked about. Um, and when you came back, it was almost like you you had the self-awareness, like we didn't have to talk about it, you just knew and you were able to like you, like if you were in a spot where you weren't feeling good, you knew what to do next. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, it didn't feel like we would just talk and not get anywhere. It was like you knew what you had to do next um, to kind of feel better or like, you know, maybe it was relax your mind or like take a nap or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was like another thing. It's like a lot of the times before, I think we would talk a lot and I, I would feel like we were getting somewhere and then it would feel like you still felt the exact same way you did when we started the conversation, which mm-hmm. of course is, you know, it, that's just how it is when you have, you know, depression and anxiety. It's, you can't just like, snap out of it you know like Mm -hmm. you're in the spot and you can talk about everything but it won't necessarily help um so that was like that was hard that was really hard I think on both of us um hard for me just because I felt like I didn't know what to do and hard for you obviously for very clear reasons um because you're (laughs) the person going through but it was like hard yeah and coming back I think it wasn't like that it's just all of that that made it that any tension that there was because of that was gone like it was just so if it so it felt so natural and it felt like you know it just felt normal mm-hmm. in a way that it hadn't before um so as a friend with to someone who is struggling or who is going through that um obviously it's very important to not take on the struggles that they're going through i feel like yeah there's a lot of as we said we both had other friends who were going through things i know for me especially um i would take on their struggles and feel like i needed to manage it yeah. and 
their depression just fed mine and it just grew and grew and grew. Um, so it was very important to, it's very important to separate yourself. Um, oh, I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> um, yeah, like separate yourself, like. Yeah, um, how are you effectively, do you think you were effectively able to do that? And I think, yeah, I think to some extent, like, I was. Mm. Yeah, like, I had a support system of my own. So, for example, my mom was, is, was and is um, my main support system in that anytime I felt like I was struggling or didn't know what to do, I could go to her. And when it came to supporting Sadie both as a friend and also just as someone dealing with depression, it was like, if I felt like I didn't know what to do, I knew I had someone I could talk to about it, um, who I knew would keep it confidential and who would give me honest feedback. Okay, anyways, so... Um, important to not internalize other people's feelings. What other advice do you have for listeners who are trying to support someone who is struggling with depression, anxiety, any of that? Um, number one is like, don't be afraid to like ask for help. Cause at least for me, like I was a, stu- I was like a youngster. I was a, a young blooming youthful like teenager <laughs> at the time. Original mental health supporter. <laughs> yeah. At that time that I was, um, friends with Sadie when we started being friends. So The important thing is to remember, like, this is not, A, it's not your burden, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um... Very important. And I think that also can become really problematic in friendships, too, is if you begin to see this as a burden, then it, like, if it becomes something that you feel is a burden, you won't want to spend time with this person anymore. And I, the thought of that, like, terrified me, so I knew that, like, it was important at that time for me to prioritize our friendship over, like anything else that was going on so that it wouldn't pervade and kind of like um you know infect everything that happened with between us as friends part of it is like knowing that it's okay to reach out for additional help from an adult and like not being afraid to do that and knowing Mm -hmm. that even if like I knew if I did it like Sadie might be mad at me now because she didn't want me to do that but I know that in the long term it's beneficial and that it's necessary and that I couldn't do it on my own so that's part of it and then the other part of it is having your own support system and you know, making sure that you're not getting stressed out by this or staying up late or whatever it is um, because of it. Because then, it, A, again, it'll be harder to spend time with that person, um, which is just not, not ever worth it. And then also it becomes, it could, you know, that burden could become too much on you. And so, um, yeah, part of not internalizing it is, yeah, is that. Sweet. I'm... Um... What do you wish you'd done differently? Um, I wish I'd been. I'd wish I'd been more explicit when you with you when we talked. I think a lot of the time I was afraid to say the word depression or say the word anxiety or talk about suicidal ideation. I was too scared of those words, mm-hmm. um, and I think it made our communication a lot blurrier and a lot foggier. And it was harder for me sometimes to know what you were really feeling and probably hard for you to know that I was hearing you and understanding you because I couldn't verbalize it because mm-hmm. I was too afraid. So I guess like... Why was that scary? Um, there's a lot of weight to those words. They mean a lot and I don't experience it. So I can't know what that weight is. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was like, if I say this word, am I, A, am I using it correctly, right? Like it's both a medical word and like a, mm-hmm. like an... And this, again, goes back to what I was saying about words that are used every yeah. day in society totally. and conversation that lose weight. Like, there was so, for a while, triggered. Triggered. Was a big was a huge word used a lot. Say, oh, my gosh, all the so time. triggered. Yeah. Which completely invalidates people experiencing post-traumatic stress have, disorder. Right, who actually have triggers, mm-hmm. yeah. 
um, or like I'm so depressed or this makes me suicidal or oh my yeah. god I have so much anxiety yeah um, kill myself I think was a big one too because KMS mm-hmm. was used a lot and yeah. still is honestly still is used a lot yeah so it's a lot of those that just get used interchangeably and lose weight and can be very invalidating so especially when being serious and using them in a genuine way you don't ever want to I don't it's hard because you see those used so lightly and yeah it, and it makes them lose their weight. Yeah. And so to assign that to things when it's not valid is, is a hard thing. Yeah. And I guess, like, I guess what I was saying about, like, not being able to communicate and verbalize it, it's, like, because they become so colloquial, because everyone says it, it's, like, if I use this word, is that not validating what you're feeling or is that too extreme? It's, like, mm-hmm. it's these two ends of this spectrum and I, like, couldn't find what it meant for you and so I was afraid to talk about it and I was afraid to use those words um and I think like yeah and I think people forget the importance of like language and vocabulary and like how it really can affect people um thank you so much for coming on my podcast I had so much I'm fun I'm sure we'll have you back many times I'm so ready guys I feel like there's so much more we have to discuss well okay here's the thing this was like a brief overview this, this uh, doesn't yeah, even go this into just depth like your opinion but the number of conversations we have about mental health and society and like our opinions this is on like what people, we naturally talk about so like bad. we just talk about this it is all of our conversations yeah. we shouldn't we didn't even get into today so I can't wait for those episodes where we literally just debate back and forth about the pros and the cons and all the social media of social media exactly all um, that good stuff the way the media portrays culture, mental health so Silicon Valley culture mm-hmm. all that stuff um it's a cold stigma, stigma. Um, so yeah, there will definitely be more episodes coming about that. But thank you so much for coming today. I love talking to you. Thank um, you for having me. This was so fun. Yes, now we're gonna go see my sister's play. Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's gonna be so good. It's a musical. I'm like really excited. Apparently, it's good. These are these shows are notorious for being like hours long, but I'm like so ready. Sadie's not expressing the same feelings as me, but I'm telling you, I'm literally so excited. We have to like go now, though, so. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Nevertheless She Persisted podcast Instagram at Nevertheless with SS. The Twitter at She Persisted underscore SS. And the Facebook Nevertheless She Persisted podcast with Sadie Sutton. To stay updated on new episodes dropping, recordings, behind the scenes content, and all of that. Be sure to tune back in next week for another episode. Thanks for listening, and CPS nevertheless she persisted. P. Wait, I'm not ready. I wasn't ready. I like zoned out. Okay, ready? And P. S. Nevertheless, she persisted.